Hey, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Mission Matters. My name is Adam Torres, and if you'd like to apply to be a guest on the show, just head on over to missionmatters.com and click on Be Our Guest to Apply. All right, so today I have Jane Buckingham on the line, and she's founder and CEO of Trendera. Jane, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So nice to be here. All right, Jane. So uh, who better to bring on the show to learn about um, trends and what's coming up in 2022 than the uh, founder and CEO of Trendera. So I'm really excited to have you on the show today and to get your insight into what um, what we can look forward to uh, going into 2022. Um, and just to get us kicked off, we'll start uh, this episode the way that we start them all with our Mission Matters Minute. So Jane, we at Mission Matters, we amplify stories for entrepreneurs, executives, and experts. That's our mission. Jane, what mission matters to you? Gosh, you know, I think I'm really grateful that I am in a profession that allows me to do what matters to me, which is to understand people and then hopefully Mm -hmm. communicate what people are thinking and feeling in a way that makes them more understandable to other generations. So whether it be their parents or their professors or their kids, um, there are so many differences among different people. And I think today more than ever, it's important to understand why people behave the way they do and think the way they do. And I've been doing this for almost 30 years now and have seen several generations come and evolve. And so it's been really nice to be able to allow them to speak to us, and then hopefully convey that to whoever wants to hear about them. Fantastic. Love bringing mission-based entrepreneurs and executives on the line to share why they do what they do. So great stuff and a great topic here today. And uh, before we get into that, though, maybe let's just start a little bit further back. So like, how'd you get started really as an entrepreneur and on this path to starting Trendera? You know, I always consider myself a really reluctant entrepreneur. I didn't start out thinking that I was going to run my own businesses. And Trendera is the second of my two businesses. The first Mm -hmm. one I started when I was 26, and it was a business called Youth Intelligence. And I Mm -hmm. ultimately sold that. And I think it actually started even earlier when I was 16. And um, I wrote a book about teenagers called Teens Speak Out. And, wow. you know, well, this was a long time ago, right? You're so, writing books as a teenager. That's amazing. Go ahead. Well, I'm just... <laughs> I wasn't very good at sports. And as my best friend said um, at the time, she said that I'd always been more of an observer than a participant. Mm. And I think trying because my generation yeah. is Gen X. And so I think we were sort of the first generation that the people before us said, you know, not just all oh, these crazy kids, they do things differently, but <laughs> wow, they fundamentally think and behave differently than the previous Mm -hmm. generations. And I remember reading a book by a, probably my age now, psychiatrist saying, this is why they are the way they are. And I said, "Mm, that's not really true. And so Mm. I wanted to present sort of who we were in a different way. And obviously you're generalizing and stereotyping Mm -hmm. and there are many different cultures and incomes and and ages even within a generation. But at the time, the goal was to say, this is who we are and this is Mm -hmm. some of how we think. And that's what led to my wanting to start a company that allowed other companies Mm -hmm. and other people to understand who they were. So I'll tell you, uh, you're the first person I've heard say reluctant entrepreneur. I've heard a lot of like prefixes there, like accidental entrepreneur, yeah. all these other ones, but uh, reluctant one, that's a new one to me. Maybe I was a reluctant one too. I don't know. I feel like I might've yeah. been, but 
So now there, there's something that happened here though. And I like to just, you know, take a moment on this one. So you had an idea and then you turned it into a business. There's a lot of people that are out there, or, or maybe you saw a challenge or a problem or a, a gap in the marketplace that you could fill. And you ended up going, you know, as a reluctant entrepreneur, you turned it into a business. So there's some people watching this right now that maybe they're considering launching a business or they're thinking about it, or they're in this transition period or pivot or however we want to say it. And they're thinking about going the entrepreneurial route. Um, what kind of things would you tell them just based off of obviously your, you know, benefit of hindsight and some of the things that you've learned over the years? You know, someone said to me once, the one thing you need to start a business is clients. Yeah. And it's really simple, but it's true, right? So you yeah. have to think, are there people who want what I'm going to sell, what I'm whether it's a product or a service yeah. or an idea? Um, and I think certainly over the years, um, people have this myth that being an entrepreneur gives you tons of freedom. It doesn't. <laughs> it's actually the opposite. I think yeah. it really, um, especially when you first start, you are taking no time off at the end of the day. It's all you and it's not easier. It can become more flexible. And I am incredibly grateful for the flexibility that I've had throughout the years in the sense that I could go with my kids to do the things they needed to do or, or not do certain things that I Mm -hmm. I didn't want to do, but I think it's really hard. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's the biggest myth. And then the other is that, um, people forget that there are systems that you really have to put in place, whether it's legal bookkeeping, um, HR, those things that when you start with an idea and you're super excited, you forget that you have to put those systems in place and sometimes investing a little bit of time and sometimes money to make sure those things are really good at the beginning will really help you out down the line. And then the last thing I think is all we ever hear about are people's successes right? Oh my God, this amazing entrepreneur who made this much money or seems to have done everything right. It's like, there are no overnight sensations. There are no not making mistakes. Mm -hmm. So give yourself a break. If you do make some of those mistakes along the way, it shouldn't discourage you. Yeah. Well said, give yourself a break. And I feel like even entrepreneurship aside, like things like, you know, kids going to college or things like that, it's like, you don't know, you can't plan out what you think the rest of your life's going to look like when you're 18, 19, even 20, 20 some, like things change, like the marketplace changes around you, um, your wants, your preferences change. I'll tell you, Jane, if somebody said, um, when I was in college, like, did I think I was going to be a podcaster? I don't even know if podcasting was around when I was in college. I'm like, how could you have predicted it? And some of the jobs and the things that are going to happen in the future aren't, they're not even been invented yet. So give yourself a little bit of break. I like that one, Jane. I agree. I agree. I think it's it's an interesting time. It's a time with mm-hmm. a lot of opportunity because the jobs that will exist 10 years from now are really different mm-hmm. than the ones that exist now. Mm-hmm. But that's a ton of opportunity. But it is also scary when you have to yeah. chart a non-traditional path. So mm-hmm. I think hopefully we as a society can mm-hmm. recognize that some of the old, old paths don't always work and some of the new paths are worth trying. Mm-hmm. So switching, um, switching gears just a little bit here. So going back into uh, trends of 2022. So I know you work a lot with different, um, with different segments of the population. So millennials, Gen Z, and you forecast these. So let's just start off the conversation, maybe kind of broad, like what kind of um, trends are you noticing for these groups? You know, I think in the 30 years that I've been doing this or 25 Mm -hmm. years, I've never seen so much fluctuation in trends. 
And, you know, we used to do telephones or in-person surveys and then telephone surveys and then internet mm-hmm. surveys. And as a researcher, I'm skeptical of research. But today <laughs> I find more than ever, people genuinely don't know how they're feeling or they feel one thing today and one thing tomorrow. So yeah. as a trend forecaster, it's actually really hard because mm-hmm. you have to listen and hear and try to say, well, is that something that's going to last for a long time or something that's going to disappear the next time we have a big COVID spike or variant? So it it is a challenging time, but as I said, a really interesting time, because Mm -hmm. I think more than ever, we are seeing fundamental things in Mm -hmm. society change in a way they never had. I think that we have a workforce that previously wanted to work from home or wanted to have more flexibility, but big companies wouldn't allow that. And yet every time the companies today say, no, you don't have to come in or, okay, now we're looking not at January 1st, we're looking at March 1st. Oh, we're looking at June 1st. It's just fundamentally changing the way big systems operate. So I think over the next five years, we are going to see a real shift in the workplace that people not be going in every day. They will not be mm-hmm. making the same packs to be with a company for five years, 10 yeah. years, it might not even be one year. So yeah. I think that it's going to be a worker-based society where the talent drives the answers mm-hmm. and companies are going to have to ex- adjust. Now, I do recognize that there are different economic issues there. Obviously, mm-hmm. if you are a frontline worker, whether it be frontline in the hospitals, frontline in a big retailer or at a grocery store, sometimes there isn't that same flexibility. But I do think everywhere it is going to be the workers who make the rules. I think education is going to change. It is not sustainable to have a four-year education that leaves people in huge, huge debt um, and come out not necessarily getting the job they trained for. So I think we'll see real shifts to more online, more two-year education. hopefully more forgiving of loans. Um, I think that just on more sort of fun trends, I think that we will see a lot of things that are mood based. Um, You already start seeing it on streaming music and what we're watching, but we're so sensitive to our own particular moods because our moods are fluctuating so much Mm -hmm. that I think we'll see more products and services based on, Mm -hmm. you want to feel excited. Do you want to feel relaxed? Do you want to feel secure? Yeah. will be some of the products that are super successful because we are trying so hard mm-hmm. to regulate our moods and to feel safety and security in an ever-changing time that that's one mm-hmm. of the ways that we'll find it. I want, I want to unpack a few of these things because uh, it's really interesting what you're talking about, whether it's the, the mood side of things, um, which I'll, I'll, I'll save that one for a moment, but let's, okay. let's focus a little bit more on the, on the workforce and what people should be thinking about. Cause a lot of business owners, entrepreneurs, executives watch this and we hear this in the news a lot right now, you know, staffing shortage of people to fill roles, um, technical roles, um, executive roles, just roles across the board. And now considering that there's this um, you know, workforce gap, we'll say, um, considering now that, you know, remote, not remote, hybrid, like as these, as you mentioned, like this, do you think, or you, maybe you didn't, but um, do you think this is going to change in the near future? Like it sounds, it seems to me like this, this trend is going to, in your experience, you tell me, but in, in my limited experience with looking at trends, it looks like we're not changing back to the old way. Like this trend is going to continue. So. I don't think so. I, you know, one of my favorite quotes was from Bill Gates, who said, people overestimate the change that happens in five years and underestimate the change that happens in 10. Well, I think that's usually true. 
except for today when I think change is really happening quickly. And I think mm -hmm. once you, once that train left the station and people mm -hmm. said, oh, actually I can be effective from home. Oh, I yeah. can be effective at different hours. Oh, I can mm -hmm. have this flexibility. It's really hard to put that back. And so yeah. I don't really see a change in that. I mean, again, there are certain businesses mm -hmm. that will need people to be front and center in the mm -hmm. office at different times. And I think yeah. hopefully COVID will become less deadly, less dramatic. I don't, yeah. I don't know the science of that, but hopefully right. the fear will change. But yeah. I think the practicality of people recognizing that they can work differently isn't mm -hmm. going to change. And I think that the smart managers, the smart businesses are going to look for ways to right. utilize that. I mean, if you think about it for a big business, that means they can have less space mm -hmm. that they have to have their employees in every day. If yeah. we can figure out how to do things remotely, why do you have to be there? We've all been looking for that elusive balance in our lives. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that working from home guarantees that. Um, mm -hmm. Certainly for a lot of people with young kids or who can't work for home from home yeah. where other people are, that's you know a problem. But mm -hmm. I think that we're going to see a world where people say, I don't have to do it the old way. And so I'm going to lean into the companies that allow me to do it in a more modern way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, to me, it just, um, when I think about the end result, right. So of just the workplace in general, it's productivity, right? We were, whatever your business is, whatever it's, whether it's a service, it's a consumer product, whatever, like you're looking for a certain level of productivity out of your workforce. So if we just look at that as the fundamental, so if you can add a little bit of balance or you can add some other things to it and still have your productivity. I mean, to me, in, in many cases, of course, there's some that it doesn't work that way, but in many cases, it seems like there's the potential for for like some real good win-win um, scenarios. Well, even, you know, if you look at America versus the rest of the world, yeah. we seem to have always been driven by this intense, the more hours you mm -hmm. spend, that shows that you're oh, a yeah. worker, right? You should never take vacation because it means you're not committed. And you look at Europe where they're mm -hmm. taking or we're taking, you know, six weeks off or siestas <laughs> or what have you, you sort of go, there's got to be another way. And yeah. I do think that it's going to be less about FaceTime and mm -hmm. personal FaceTime necessarily yeah. and just putting in the hours and people who can get the job done are going to be the ones who thrive. Yeah. Oh, I, I still blame the greatest generation for this one. Like, where was my gap year between college and like workforce or between like, I want my gap year back. Right? I actually, I think that would be a great, not that, not that I think I'm one to talk about how education should work. I've, but I do think that what could be interesting is if yeah. colleges rethought it and had people yeah. come for two years to do more general education, go work mm -hmm. for a year and then come back to really hone in on the skills that you want, because goodness knows if we had that gap year, we would have appreciated our education a lot more. And again, the rising cost of education is is so prohibitive for so many that I think that we're really going to have to think about ensuring that kids don't come out with this debt and are prepared to have some sort of skill that will allow them to make a, a living. Mm. So uh, shifting focus here. So I don't know how to even how to even phrase this, but mood based shopping, content consumption. Like I noticed the first time I noticed moods, I feel like it was on Netflix or I don't know what it was. I was on something mm -hmm. and it basically I think it might have been Netflix and basically it let you pick your mood. And that was the content it gave it like it put in front of you. And I'm like, oh, I want to laugh or I want this. I want that. Like, I think it's a really interesting concept. I didn't even notice that it was making its way into other parts of my life. 
Um, and I, and I'm thankful for it because normally I am shopping for a mood if it comes to my, like what I'm, what I'm watching or what I'm taking in. Um, what are you, like, what are you seeing in this space? Cause to me, it's just really interesting. It's such a a growing space. And I do think it was probably first music, you know, we used to make mixtapes on like Mm -hmm. my, you know, broken hearted mixtape or my party (laughs) mixtape. Um, and Spotify and the streaming services figured that one out. And I think that that the Netflixes of the world are starting to do that because it makes sense, right? You know that. Yeah. You now you used to turn on the TV and you watched what you watched. It was there. Mm-hmm. And now you go, I want to laugh. I want to cry. Mm-hmm. I want to, you know, be scared. So I think we'll see it in products too. I've seen it in a lot of drinks, um, mm-hmm. alcoholic and non-alcoholic. It'll say, do you want to feel relaxed? Do you want to feel invigorated? Um, protein bars. But there's obviously room for that in everything. Fashion. Mm-hmm. I want to, you know, be excited. I want to have yeah. fun or I want to be cozy. I want to feel safe. So yeah. I think that it makes sense that as we are so dependent and, and so aware of our moods and certainly even our own mental health, we're going to look for those things that do that. It'll be services. It'll be fashion. It'll be um, cosmetics. It'll be everything. If you can see it in food, all of those things are going to allow us to, I don't want to say indulge, but let's say yeah. Um, tap into whatever mood we feel like we want to feel. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think it's great. And you did take me way back. Now that you said, now that you, you kind of <laughs> took me down memory lane, you're right. It did start with the mixtape. It was a mix- right? For those of you out there that don't know what a mixtape is, that, oh, we could say maybe start your Apple playlist. Right, something. your playlist. You made it, there you go. They don't know what, they don't know what no. mixtapes are. It's okay. It's okay. They can live without it, but because the playlists are better at it. But I think it is true that music was for a while, mm-hmm. the thing that really sort of explored our mood the most. Mm-hmm. And now that we have the opportunity to do it in other areas, it'll be interesting to see how music fits in. Does music enhance it? Does music, mm-hmm. become, I, I mean, I think that music is always so important, especially for generations. It, it really defines who they are. But I think these days, whether it be podcasts that people are listening to or TV shows or shows that they're watching um, or brands that they're buying, they're all going to say things about your mood. Let's go further into uh, into trend era. So, um, of course, you've been working on trends and, and forecasting trends for many years, as you mentioned. Um, so just tell us a little bit more about the business. So tell us more about trend era. Well, you know, when I when I started youth intelligence back in the 90s, the late 90s, it really was the first time that it was about understanding consumers and how did consumers feel and what's the voice of the consumer. Um, There was always research, but this was really the voice of the consumer. And so there was a lot of opportunity to go out and talk to them and hear what they wanted to say and convey that to companies. And, you know, whether it was how they were feeling or what's the hot shade of pink, um, yeah. that's what we were trying to deliver to country, uh, to companies and to people mm-hmm. and, and parents and people like that. As trends evolved and trend mm-hmm. forecasting became a trend, these days I feel like it's almost as if we have access to too much information, right? You, yeah. If you search trends, you could find a zillion articles on Google mm-hmm. about what the hot color pink is or what people are feeling. So For today sure. it's, it's more about saying, well, what's behind the trend? Why are people mm-hmm. feeling the way that they feel? What do we do about that? Is mm-hmm. that a sustainable trend? So what I really tried to shift to was A, to sort of in, involve more of the generation. So I would say mm-hmm. we looked, first we looked at Gen X, then we looked at Gen X and millennials or otherwise mm-hmm. known as Gen Y. And then we added 
Gen Z who are sort of teenagers today. And now I have all these clients who are asking us, well, what about this next generation? What's their name going to be? Because there are always changes. And so what we tried to do at Trendera is to say, well, let's show you who the generations are and what the differences are. Mm -hmm. But also, what are the similarities? Because if you're a business or you're um, a a nonprofit or you're a school or you're a parent, you need to understand not just what makes my kid different from me so that Mm -hmm. I can talk to them, sell to them, et cetera, but what what makes them similar to me? What are the areas of overlap that we can all connect to? So we do a ton of research. We do it by polls. We do it by surveys. We do it in person. We do it um, less in person now. We do focus groups. I mean, focus Mm -hmm. groups. Everyone hates focus groups, including me, because as I said, people often tell you what they think you want to hear and mm-hmm. you have to decipher, well, what are they really saying? So whether we're working with a big retailer to figure mm-hmm. out why people aren't shopping there, or we're working with a nonprofit to figure out what messages are going to resonate, yeah. we just try to collect all of the information and then put it together and say, well, here's what we're hearing. Here's mm-hmm. what we think. And then what do you do about it? Mm. And so how do the, um, well, first off, how is the information delivered? So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit more about like how businesses use this information and how they implement it and how, how they receive it as well. You know, when I first started with Youth Intelligence, we did something called the Cassandra Report. And it became mm-hmm. sort of this report that tons of companies bought that mm-hmm. was talking to more influential people, to the trendsetters of the time. Mm-hmm. Well, the word influencer has changed and the word trendsetter has changed. And whereas we used to do that report four times a year, mm-hmm. Trends are changing more quickly than we can get the information out there. Yeah. So whereas pre so now we do something called the the Trendera files, and we've mm-hmm. actually adjusted it at different times depending on what we feel our clients want. So last mm-hmm. year, for example, instead of doing it four times a year, we did it ten mm-hmm. times a year because wow. things are just change, changing so quickly. Mm-hmm. Yet we don't make them as comprehensive. This year, we're actually going back to four, two to four times a year because what we're saying is, look, we're not going to give you. Yeah. the hottest YouTuber of the moment that we can give you through our newsletter that we can yeah. give you talking to you. What we're going to give you is sort of a, a clear understanding of what's really happening and how that's going mm-hmm. to affect trends two years, five years, 10 years down the line. Mm-hmm. And yet previously we did it in a book. I don't know if I have my books here, but we used to sort of deliver these 150 page books. No one's going to read a book. So yeah. now we deliver it primarily through either webinars that are backed up by a presentation or a presentation to companies. We do them mm-hmm. usually about once a quarter talking about what are the big trends that we're finding. And yet what we're also finding is, is that people need us in a different way. They have questions that come up of a moment because mm-hmm. they have to be reactive to the things out there, whether it's employee issues or big issues happening mm-hmm. in the world. I think that people really feel like they don't, especially in companies or nonprofits, even schools, they feel like Mm -hmm. they don't have a roadmap. And there are many things that Mm -hmm. we don't know about and we're not going to talk about, whether it be policy or health. But we are going to say, here's what we're hearing that people are saying. Mm -hmm. And also the people we talk to has changed. So it used to be that you would have to find an influencer or trendsetter in the skate park or in the tattoo parlors. Now, Everybody thinks they're a trendsetter. So it's usually the people who think they aren't setting the trends who really are. It's great insight. Um, And so what are the um, what are the types of um, of businesses or um, or individuals that you find get the most value out of getting the content at at Trendera? So like who who typically like is a subscriber or user of the of the information? 
You know, I'm really, as I said, grateful to have worked with so many big companies for so long. And um, because the more you get to know them, the more you can help them. Entertainment Mm -hmm. is a big one for us because streamers or networks or movie studios who Mm -hmm. are creating a lot of content, they need to know everything from the big to the small. What's the cool drink we should put in there to should we be making more horror films or more Mm -hmm. sci-fi? What are the themes that are going to resonate? a year Mm -hmm. from now when we get this out there. But then a lot of retailers, fashion, um, cosmetics, they want to work with us too. We just, if, if they're just making a mascara, there are Mm -hmm. only so many trends we can tell them that are going to be relevant to them. But, Mm -hmm. and then personally, I love working with nonprofits. I love Mm -hmm. working with uh, schools. I love working with parents because especially now that I am, Mm -hmm. I've been a parent for a long time, but having gone through that, it's really helpful. I, I certainly, don't have all the answers. I, I, I made personal mistakes. I, I mm-hmm. wish my life were perfect so that I could say, oh, you can come to me. I'm the Oracle. Hardly. <laughs> all we're doing is saying we find the information and we mm-hmm. convey it to you. Doesn't mean we won't make some of the mistakes ourselves. Yeah. And so speaking of finding the information, so not not asking you to give up your proprietary process or not too far, but tell us just a little bit of what you can about the process and what it takes to put together these um, to put together these um, reports in, the, in this in these tre- this trend analysis, really. You know, one of the things it, it's not a secret sauce. I think yeah. that, in fact, we often say to clients, look, if you have the capability to do mm. this in-house, you should do it. Um, yeah. It's about listening. It's really about listening and finding information and being open to the answers being different from what you want them to be. Um, So it is for us, it's big surveys and look, big Mm -hmm. data is such a a big word out there, but data can only tell you so much. So we often find that when it comes to trends, you're not going to find trends in numbers immediately because it Mm -hmm. takes a little while for things to catch up for the general public to hear things. Now, if you're talking about what people are watching on Mm -hmm. TV or what people, um, you know, there, there are lots of areas where big data Mm -hmm. helps. Look, look at all of the Facebooks and Googles. They're, they're all about uh, big data and Mm -hmm. that's helpful to them. For us, it's about asking people questions and then looking for clues. Mm -hmm. Where are the subtle changes happening? Then we talk to people. We talk to people individually. We talk to them in groups. So once we have the foundation of here, some numbers that Mm -hmm. look interesting, we can see if those numbers are backed up and what people say. And then we try to talk to what we consider influencers and they may Mm -hmm. or may not be on social media. They're people who are influential in their particular area. A doctor Mm -hmm. can be an influencer. A politician can be an influencer, but it's also a stylist, um, an editor, a writer, a a tagger. So we take all of that information and we try to sort of put it all together and say, okay, here's what we think matters. We look on the web, you know, Mm -hmm. I, people will say, Oh, well, do you mind if someone copies your trend? It's not my trend. We're just yeah. all seeing what's happening out there and hopefully interpreting it in, in a way that mm-hmm. should be consistent in, in what people are seeing. We might see something sooner. We might see something later. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to the big macro trends, it's gathering as much information as possible. If you want specific things like online mm-hmm. retail trends or what color is hot or what TV show is, is <laughs> going to be hot, sometimes it's a little bit of crystal ball, but hopefully you're also taking the experience mm-hmm. of, Will this work before? So this might work again or here are the yeah. shifts that will not allow this to work again. 
Well, Jane, um, I have to tell you, it's been great getting a, a, a bird's eye view of like your vantage point and what goes into creating Trendera, what went into creating Trendera and also the research that you publish for your clients um, who are getting value from it. So that's awesome. So I just have to ask, I mean, what's next? I mean, what's next for you? What's next for Trendera? Um, I love putting information out there. So mm. for me, it's about writing and that might be writing on the web. It might be writing mm-hmm. in books. It might be hopefully speaking more um, when people are back together mm-hmm. because I love getting to say what we think and then getting feedback about what we think we will always do mm-hmm. or we'll do the Trendera files as long as our clients mm-hmm. want it. Um, we do a weekly newsletter just for mm-hmm. free so that people can get information about what's hot out there. Um And then, you know, I don't know what else will happen for us Mm -hmm. next, but for me, it's always about listening and being curious. Mm -hmm. And I hope I never get to a point where I am that, you know, writer who I read, who I said, oh, Mm -hmm. he doesn't get it. He doesn't understand what these younger generations are thinking, because that's when I need to stop is when I can't um, convey it accurately or um, in the way that these next generations would want to convey it. If somebody's watching this and they want to learn more, they want to follow Trendera. I mean, you mentioned you had a free newsletter as well. I mean, how do people connect and engage with the brand overall? You know, the easiest way is to go to our website, which is just trendera.com, and they can sign up for the weekly newsletter. They can see what our reports are like. They can get samples of them. Um, They can follow me on Instagram, which is just Jane Buckingham or uh, Twitter. Um, I'm not a big Snapchatter. Um, and I'm, I think my kids would kill me if I ever created a TikTok. So um, those are sort of the, the big outlets for us. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, and we'll, and we'll also put those on for the audience. We'll also put the, all of that information in the show notes. So you can just go ahead on over um, by just by clicking on the website. So happy to do that. And uh, speaking to the audience, if this is your first time with us, Um, Mission Matters is a platform that's all about um, amplifying the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and experts, and really bring them on the show to talk about their mission, like how they build their business, like why do they do what they do, and how are they adding value to the marketplace. So if that's content that sounds interesting to you, we definitely encourage you to hit that subscribe button because we have many more mission-based individuals coming up, and we don't want you to miss a thing. And Jane, really, it has been a pleasure um, having you on the show, and I'm I'm, I'm loving... uh, the trends that you gave and shared with us today and looking forward to seeing more out of you in the future. So thank you again. Thank you so much.